What do you know about that, man? <laughs> That was pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, I've got my own water bottle over here, so you guys cool. are good. All right. All right, so we'll just jump into it. I'm Chase Winninger, host of the podcast. we got Lee McClellan, co-host. How are you? Hope everybody's doing well on this wonderful Oaks Day. It is You know day. it's raining and uh, kind of gross right now. Well, it's still Oaks. So. Yes, it and is. Then today's guest, Jeff Ross. Great. Thanks, Chase and Lee. Proud to be here. What's your What's your actual title, Jeff? I'm an assistant director over the uh, district biologists across the state. So we got seven districts for fisheries. Yes. So just in a nutshell, however, like say you're giving your 30 second elevator pitch to somebody. What do you do? So we've got um, seven districts across the state. They're all out sampling all the fish populations. I supervise the district biologists and all the data comes in and we talk about it and decide what management decisions to make. Perfect. All right, perfect. That goes hand in hand with what we were hoping to talk about today. Mm -hmm. There's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see, Derby. You said it's Oaks Day. Tomorrow is the Derby. Yes, it is. And so I wanted to get you. I know you're a betting man, Lee. Well, I, I, I do play the ponies on occasion. So does Jeff. <laughs> In fact, I've seen Jeff at many a Derby at Keeneland yeah, <laughs> with I his family from California. Probably didn't cash your ticket on any of them. No. <laughs> I've, I've done well in the Derby over the years. Well, I know you bought yourself a brand new G. Loomis fishing rod with <laughs> the Derby winnings last yes, year. No, no, that was, that was uh, back when, uh, oh, who won? Vale of York and Looking at Lucky. Uh, came in one two in the uh, Breeders' Cup Juvenile, and I think Vale of York was like thirty five to one. I won. Then Jocelyn I won six hundred bucks that day. It was great. Well, and I know that uh, you just bought a fishing rod. Yes, but it wasn't week. it wasn't Loomis. Yes, I bought it from Chad last week. It was well, great. it's still Shimano. You yeah, I love it. Corrado. So you could you could pay that off with some Derby winnings tomorrow. You, you ain't lying, brother. Yeah, I was actually really excited about the Derby, and then Becky Whalen with our Field to Fork mm -hmm. program. She was on the podcast like three or four ago. She uh, called me the other night, short notice. She needed somebody to mentor a Field to Fork program, a turkey hunt. She asked me if I could do it. I looked at my schedule and said, okay, yeah, sign me up. And then about 10 minutes after I agreed to it, I realized that that was Derby Day. So I'm going to be mentoring a turkey hunt instead of making my bets. But We well, can do them in advance. If I was going to make a bet, I have two horses that I like. I don't know who your horses are. I like improbable mm -hmm. and game winner. Well, I, I think you're you're you're. I think Baffert's going to be heavily bet now that we've lost Omaha Beach to uh, a yeah. minor injury. He'll come back. Well, you know it's crazy because I and I, we're we're going to get into the fishing here in a second. <laughs> okay, I promise you. But you know, out in California, they had what twenty nine racehorses die in a mm -hmm. very short amount of time. The track fell apart. They had record rain, and the track it's a new track. Santa Anita's just went back to dirt a couple of years ago, and the track just fell apart. My understanding is they're going to tear it completely down and rebuild it because they lost the base. And when you lose the base, it gets cuppy underneath and it can lead to really, really uneven surfaces. Um, yeah. That's just, I mean, they have, they've never had that much rain. The track has never taken that much rain. So, so one good thing about Churchill Downs, it can rain two inches on it and it holds up. So cool. it's, it's a great track. What I was thinking about is, you know, since that happened, since all those horses had injuries mm -hmm. there, there's been a lot of talk about. Uh, the the safety and the health of, of racehorses and that horse Omaha Beach that was the favorite in the Derby coughed one time <laughs> and they they did this big examination on it decided because it had a sore throat basically that they were going to pull it from the race <laughs> now if a professional athlete like a human coughs and people don't even bat an eye so mm -hmm. i'm thinking that you know that just goes to show you how oh, much they're treated like royalty oh, well they are yeah. royalty in a way i mean some of those horses cost oh, worth of yeah millions yeah millions and millions and i mean like what was our last triple it was it uh last triple crown winner justify justified they were selling it's the breeding rights so you could breed your mm -hmm. horse with justified it was like two hundred thousand dollars per per Yes. Yeah, and I mean the amount of money that he's that worth horse, tens of millions in the stud is like his insured value. I'm sure is high for right. justify. So, so just finish. Same up with Omaha Beach. He'll, he's going to be worth a lot of money in the stud too. Unfortunately, he's got a sore throat right yeah. now. So. Well, in a trapped up aglatus. My yeah. wife was in the horse industry. She's been around horses all her life. She's ridden. She was an exercise rider for a short time for Shug McGay, who's got a horse in the race this year. And um, it's basically kind of there's a flap that. Uh, keeps food from going down their their uh, breathing tubes, you know. Um, so when that flap gets kind of out of whack, and sometimes it happens at birth or it gets inflamed, they just they, they make a little incision. It goes back to where it was, and then everything works fine. Yeah. What can happen if you didn't fix is something called flipping your palate, which can really hurt a horse, and then they may not run again. So this horse will be out of training for less than a month and will be back for summer. So yeah, I think they said three weeks. Yeah. 
So, but I love that horse, and he was going to be the horse I was going to bet because he loves an off track too. He won the Arkansas Derby going away on an off track. So, but game winner is right behind him, and improbable. Those are going to be two. So those are your picks. Well, it depends on what the track looks like. If you, I've watched a lot of derbies through the years, and when there's standing water on top of the on top of the track at the Derby Post, it tends to favor horses that get out front early and stay. However, if the water is soaked in and it's muddy, that get, makes a sticky, tiring uh, surface, which tends to play to horses who come from off the pace. So if there's standing water on top, the speed horses may do really well. Mm-hmm. If it's not, then the closers like um, Roadster, who's another Baffert horse, comes from off the pace a little bit. Code of Honor, maybe more of Will, who kind of got a good deal he's going to be out of the two hole instead of the dreaded one hole he could get up in there you know well they say he's, that you know there's a lot this year it's wide open so whoever you like bet them there's a, the only one i don't think has a chance is the horse from japan the rest of them you can make a case for they say that maximum security is a horse yeah, that's, that's one i have here it's too. probably going to be the one that jumps out in yeah. front right and, off and he could and and if it's playing that way he could get out front and they couldn't they may not be able to catch him yeah so, and I think I also heard that if you were betting on like grouped horses based on trainers, Baffert mm-hmm. would be a five to seven favorite. Yeah. So he has three horses. Yes, he is. And and he, you know, he knows how to get a horse ready. Fire shot on Derby. I mean, he's won five. He'll tie the record if he wins this year. So back in the day, I was a, I don't know how old I was. I was probably 12 or 13 or something. I was swimming a lot and my parents drug me to some, uh, some event at some bar in Louisville. And I was just kind of sitting there and it was the week before Derby, right? And uh, D. Wayne Lucas was the speaker. He was up there talking. Have I, have I told you this story? Mm. So, and I, I like was a little kid. I didn't care a bit about this. I went to the restroom, and then I sat down on this bench next to this woman. I'm going to call her an older lady, but I don't mean to offend you. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. And then I started talking to her. We probably talked for 15 or 20 minutes. She was asking me if I liked horse racing, and I, I told her honestly. I was like, honestly, I'm not really into it. I don't know much about it, and blah, blah, blah. And we talked for a while. And she said, I want you to meet my husband. And so I sat there, and she came back about five minutes later with D. Wayne Lucas, as her <laughs> and uh, and they got to talk. I talked to D. Wayne, and my parents talked to the, them for a while. And he was like, "I want you to come to Derby. I'm going to leave you two tickets, and I'm going to put your name." And so he left two tickets. And I asked my dad, "I was like, can we go to Derby?" He's like, oh, "You got to swim it. You got to go to." I wonder where those tickets went. <laughs> I wonder if they ended up in the in my dad's bank account or what. <laughs> so because I think they were box seats that D. Wayne Lucas gave us. So. Oh wow! I don't know. I've always mm. kind of wondered what happened to probably one of the well, best. I'd say yeah. That's a it bought a bought vacation or something. For you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for your I, just, I just hope I went on that vacation. I don't know. That was well, you know, so long ago. On the side note, a good friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, is in the Churchill Downs Racing Club. And he has a horse running in the undercard named Warriors Club, who is has won uh, grade grade one races going seven furlongs. He's won on the uh, I think he won on the Derby undercard two years ago and surprised him. Uh, D Wayne Lucas is his trainer. Yeah, well, D Wayne and Baffert are probably the two most well known. Yeah, but anyway, so let's real quick get picks. But he's fifteen to one in the morning line. Jeff, Actually, you got? I got. I don't have picks. I got a question for Lee though. Okay. So my wife always picks uh, bets on the. Uh, names of the horses she's an old miss grad and there's a long range toddy mm-hmm. and i know she's going to bet on that horse any chance at all well or maybe he exotics? won the rebel stakes beating he beat um i can't remember if he beat uh game winner or, or improbable but I, I believe that he beat improbable and omaha beach beat game winner um maybe they, they ran in two divisions this year because so many horses were shipping out of california to get away from that track um and one However, he ran back in the Arkansas Derby on an off track and uh, finished sixth, oh, well beaten. Right. So a lot of people are like, "I would if it was a fast track, I'd like him more." But he's bred to go on an off track. He could have just not had it that day. So um, it, some people still kind of like him underneath. It just depends uh, on a wet track, though. Just given that it, last time he ran on a wet track, he didn't fire. So. Okay. All right. We'll have to see, but but he's. Uh, I mean, that he, won't stop her. No, well, well then I mean, yeah. He two two times ago he was like uh, in the top twelve for Steve Haskin, who's on the Blood Horse. I always read his thing every Tuesday. His Derby Dozen, and he was uh, well up to the Derby Dozen. Then after that bad effort, he dropped him out of it. So he's got a chance. All right. Who are your picks, Lee? Well, well, give me give me a pick, and then your next. Your second. Um, the horse. I'll tell you who I really would love to see win be Code of Honor for Shug McGahey. Um uh, he's he's he just fired a giant bullet work forty six. Shugs never works his horses fast forty six and four. 
Uh, Gallup dialed to five furlongs in, in 59 and four and 113 flat for the six furlong Gallup out. That's when he's not really pushing him anymore. So, I mean, that to me is a big warning shot across the bow. He comes from off the pace. If it favors speed, he won't have much of a chance. But if they're backing up and the speed backs up, Code of Honor could be right there. I tell you what, though, I'm starting to think more and more Roadster, which is Baffert's kind of under-the-radar horse that Mike Smith took off of to ride Wild <laughs> Beach, and then it blew up. But Roadster won the Santa Anita Derby. He's lightly raced, but he closed like a train in Santa Anita Derby and beat some good horses. So uh, Roadster, and if it's favoring speed, that, Maximum Security, I don't know what to do with him. He scares me because if he gets out, and Improbable, too, could both get out in game winner. So um, the three Baffert's for sure, a Code of Honor. Now, a giant bomb to play underneath is still War of Will, who loves Churchill Downs and is one on an off-track, one by five lengths, breaking his maiden at Churchill Downs on an off-track. And he's now coming out of the two-hole instead of the one, so he could be flying up there late. He's one to, to, to drop a bomb. Lee, you are much more researched than I am. Yes. Well, I mean, so, <laughs> I'm just taking notes. You know, some, yeah. people, uh, you know, some people are really into baseball. Some people are really in. I start watching the derby preps in the fall before, and I keep a list of the horses I like, and I watch yeah. all of them religiously. It's my favorite thing. Your derby is my basketball. But yeah. I'll give you my quick ones. I like Improbable and Game Winner. Mm-hmm. If I was going to have to pick one, I'd probably go with Improbable yeah. and then Game Winner. But I also want to see Tactitious. Is that how you oh, pronounce oh, it? Oh, that's my other one, yes. Tacitus. Tacitus. By Bill Mott. Yes, he's a monster the way he closed in the Wood Memorial he was really reaching out for ground he was at full flight I, I forgot I was like there's one horse I'm forgetting I love Tacitus the so. reason I say um, Tacitus is because Chad actually went on the Diener show the other day I don't know if you listened yeah, to that I did I caught the very end of it yeah and that's who he picked. And then they, they gave Diener a hard time. I was like, you live over here. You don't know anything about hunting fishing. And he <laughs> yeah. said, my son likes fishing. My son wants to go fishing. <laughs> I, I would. You could sign me up to take little Max Diener. Mm-hmm. That's his son's name. I think he's yeah. 10 or 11 or something. You could sign me up to take him fishing in yeah. their backyard right now. Because I fish those ponds. I'm pretty sure they live in the Lake Forest area. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But that's where my girlfriend's parents live. And I've gone over there with her and fished those ponds. I mean, we could be five minutes from the guy's house and probably have his son catching two-pound large mouth pretty oh, easy. So. Well, sign, sign I me thought up. Chad sounded great. I, I wish I'd have caught it earlier. I was in the work. Chad he, did a good job. Yeah, he he, I think, I think uh, yeah, I mean, he, he hit on all the points that I think we wanted to hit on. And it was good for, I mean, being on the backside has got to be pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be a pretty so cool. So what, what was he going to say about Tacitus? Chad C. Tacitus? Yeah, or? he saw him in person. He said that Diener asked him for his pick. And we're talking about Drew Diener. He's with ESPN Louisville. Mm-hmm. He's on 105.7. He was on Channel 27 for years here in Lexington. I That's listen to him on the drive-in. He's on 7 to 10 on Yeah, on I, I do too. I, I he's got him. a pretty good show. But he had Chad on, and um, he asked Chad at the end, who's your derby pick? Because that's what, obviously what you do with all guests. Mm-hmm. And Chad said that he had seen that horse. He said he just looked so strong that that's who he was going to go Yeah, with. And, and the thing in the derby, he can get kind of rough in there, and he's so big and strong. I mean, a horse knocked him sideways in the Wood Memorial, and he said, ah, bye. So the rough <laughs> jostling is not – he's so big and strong, it's not going to bother him. All right. Um, I forgot. That that might – he and Roadster starting to get in my mind, but I, I really want Tassis to win, too. I love it. Bill Mott's never won. He's a great trainer. I've won a ton of money with Bill Mott horses through the years, so – I'd right. love to see him win it. All right, so we're going to transition from our sports talk show. Okay. <laughs> to our, to our, Hope everybody to has a winning ticket on Derby Day. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be rainy, though, and I hate it. I wish we'd have a nice Derby for once. It's rained, it seems like, three every year forever. It hey, it's, like. it's May in Kentucky. Yeah, no doubt. You never know what you yeah. see. They're going to be perfect. I went one year and it snowed. We froze. I brought a little light jacket because it was 65. I was like, oh, it's going to be nice. By the end of the day, it was sleeting and uh, like 36. God, we froze down. That's just how it goes around here. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't depend on the weather. But let's see. My next things I had, um, derby, get picks, blah, 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 mm-hmm. turkey mentoring. So I'm going to miss the derby. I'm actually going to Destin on Tuesday. Looking All right. To yeah, going back down for that trip. Oh, man. That's why We're we... not going this year. My sister moved to Phoenix. I, I brought Chase's rod to Destin last year. Met him at the Walmart in San Destin. Oh, really? And gave it to him. Yeah. <laughs> I went to I, But he I, couldn't fly with it. It's too long. Yeah, I, I couldn't fly with it. And then I went to UPS. I was going to ship it to myself. Right. $178. To send a rod one way, I was like, I'll just buy a rod. Okay, I'll get down there and I'll buy myself then, a nice Chase rod. Chase called me. He's like, "So you're going to Destin the same day I am?" Uh, I was like, "Yeah, I'll take it for you." Man, yeah. It was no big deal. Yeah, met up with Lee randomly in the Walmart in the Destin parking lot, <laughs> or the Walmart parking lot in Destin. <laughs> anyway, so I'm going to be out of town next week, so I wanted to make sure we got this podcast in. I'll catch cool. a fish for you, Lee, since you All can't right, go. Man, I'll be sure to catch one. I'm going to Hilton Head for a couple of days, so that'll be fun. I'll fillet a redfish for you. Now. Um, Blacking it too. Oh, some blacking shrimp. That's the only way I do it. Oh man, 
So, fish is since, since we have Jeff on, and Jeff is the fishing expert in fisheries, I wanted to get into spring fishing. And Sounds I think we, we talked briefly about the new state record largemouth mm -hmm. last time. I want to talk about that a little bit more because I actually got to go down there and talk to the guy and see the lake. I know you've talked to him mm -hmm. as well. And Jeff probably has more expertise about the lake and the fish than, than we do. And then also we had our spring fishing call-in show for the TV show a few weeks ago. And I have leftover questions. And while we have Jeff here, I was hoping maybe we could try to answer some of those questions. That sounds good to me. So the new state record largemouth, 14 pounds, 9.5 ounces, mm -hmm. caught by Mark Ward out of mm -hmm. High Splint Lake in mm -hmm. Harlan County. Mm -hmm. You talked to him. Yes. We went down there. I wrote the release on it. Yes. We went down there to talk to him. We met him at uh, a store. He's a manager of a grocery store. He's only 24 years old. Met him there, rode out to the lake with him. And me and Chad pulled up and we got out of the truck and you know we were kind of looking at this little six acre lake, you know, no trees really around it, nothing. And Chad was like, not really what I was expecting. I kind of <laughs> looked at him and I was like, not me either. We didn't bring a fishing pole with us. And then we walk up on the dock and I set up the cameras to do the interviews and Mark takes a cast with his pole just kind of messing around and he hooks like a 10 inch largemouth. And when he hooked it, two six or seven pounders swam out from under the dock and we're like checking it i was like oh my gosh and then uh we watched a guy pull up he got out of his truck took five cast caught one that went 6.9 we waited on a digital scale <laughs> he put it back in he let it go and then he got in his truck and he left he, he pulled out <laughs> he took five cast <laughs> caught a 6.9 pounder got in his truck and just left and i'm telling you i saw these 10 bass with my eyes that would weigh over eight pounds mm -hmm. it was i mean it was ridiculous so, and there's some really cool GoPro footage on the uh, yeah. Kentucky Field TV's uh, Facebook page well, watch that the, Chad did. If, if this segment that it's I'm underwater with, footage is well, first of all, Chad did not do that. I mean, that's, yeah, my, Jason, <laughs> Chad, Chad doesn't run the camera. Okay. Know, my bad. He, he's, the, he's the talent. Yeah. But um, no, so that that show is going to air on this weekend's episode of Kentucky Field. So if somebody wants to watch Kentucky Field Saturday at eight thirty, mm -hmm. Sunday at four thirty on KT, or on Monday and Tuesday, those segments are actually going to go up on YouTube. So, mm -hmm. uh, and, it, and it's worth watching because, I mean, it's just basically a stand-up interview. We hear the story from him. It's pretty interesting. It's on 630 in the morning on Channel 27 in Lexington, too, on Sundays. So most people this Sunday aren't going to be up at 630. Yeah, yeah no. Sunday yeah. following <laughs> Derby. <laughs> that's, that's a really good time to get a tea time is the Sunday morning after the Derby. You'll, you'll get any time you want. <laughs> but it, it's worth watching and uh, it's kind of a cool story and the dude's super nice and you know this as well as i do he he put back a 13.8 pound largemouth last year mm -hmm. which is ridiculous that's two two ounces off the state record then mm -hmm. and when he told chad that he's like yeah i caught him i weighed him i put him back chad, chad was almost like upset he was <laughs> like did you weigh him on a certified scale did you know exactly what he because you were so close and and then later on in the interview, he, he says, well, you know, the one I caught last year was fairly decent. But Chad was like, you're telling me that a 13.8 is fairly decent? I mean, yeah. We're in Kentucky, not Florida. Yeah, yeah. This kid's caught, I call him a kid, he's 24. This guy's caught eight bass that weigh over 10 pounds. Yeah, he told me that. Chad's personal best is, is eight pounds, right? And Chad, I bet you, has spent a 100 times the money and 20 times the time that this kid has. And he has caught eight bass over 10 pounds it's like it's, it's just crazy but there's a reason for it <laughs> and jeff that's where you come yeah. in yeah and my question is did he say were they all out of high splint because mm -hmm. he also got fish pond out that way um, and, and there's some monsters in fish pond too yeah. well he he had to think about it for a little bit um what is it there was another lake that he fished quite a bit out there and cranks creek has a lot of big fish out that way too i mean this this guy has a boat he yeah. fishes tournaments he's not just your you know go fishing for two hours every right. couple of weeks i mean this guy fishes daily mm -hmm. but the the pond the lake is kind of built for big fish but only at a certain time of the year yeah and the kind of the tie between all those big fish lakes out that way is we stock all of them with rainbow trout mm -hmm. yeah. which is probably the the answer to <laughs> well, our I mean, state records we got wood creek had two came records. out of Greenbow in the 60s, Trout Lake. Um, the Woods Creek, they had it in the 80s, Trout Lake. High Splint Lake, Trout Lake. There is definitely a correlation. And the interesting thing when you're talking about all these big fish at High Splint, you know, we, we sampled it back in 2012. Biggest fish we got out of there was 17 inches. Mm -hmm. We hadn't started to stock in Rainbow Trout yet. That was yeah. the first year we stocked. So it is interesting that yeah, seventeen inches biggest big now state record. It had a lot of stunted <laughs> fish in it, you know, for years. Yeah, that's what that's what Kevin does. Uh, like there's some that are getting on the trout, and when they get on the trout early, they'll pass the rest of the fish, and you'll see those yeah. big fish. Well, and it's they also said it's seventy six feet deep. 
Does that make sense? Because it's well, all it's all cool. Yeah, yeah. and it's uh, it's, all, it's part of the coal mining operation. They, yeah. and that's part of the reason why you know we put trout in that lake is that it can actually over. I think it can overwinter some fish. I mean, over summer some fish. Well, I think they also told me that it's spring fed. Hmm. Does that make sense? It's possible. Yeah, if it has cool oxygenated water throughout the summer. Those trout can make it, you know, in most of our fins lakes, that water gets yeah, too, warm, too warm, too fast, yeah. and they don't make it through the summer. Right. But ice splint can, so that's a good, that's a good trout lake. If I was a trout, that's a lake, even though it might over summer, that's a, that's a lake I might not want to be. Yeah, or you may <laughs> want to get, yeah, no doubt. You may want to grow real fast. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Mr. State Record Largemouth will eat you. I mean, it, I mean, it's something else. But like I said, really cool and kind of like, so I got a farm pond at my house, and we haven't caught a good fish out of that pond in almost a year. I'm talking everything's 12, 14 mm -hmm. inches, maybe 15. And last year, that's the same way, that's the same thing that happened last year. And then all of a sudden, at the end of May, four pounder, five pounder, maybe a six pounder. And we caught them for two weeks, from the end of May through mid-June, and then all of a sudden, they're gone again. Right. And it's like, I know that we put every fish back. Those fish are still in here. Right. And it's just about where they go. And the same thing there. They say that they, yeah. they don't catch any good fish out of high splint except for... During the spawn or, you know, yeah. spawn time, they come up and they can actually, a lot of the people on those smaller lakes, they can sight fish them and actually see mm -hmm. the fish they're fishing for. I think he talked about mm -hmm. fishing for a smaller fish and yeah, then the and big then the fish big, came in. He said it looked like a big old log. Well, that's what you, I mean, This it's a very clear lake. Right. You could sight fish pretty well there. He said, and you guys know the story too, he said he walked up and he had his nine-month-old daughter and his wife with him. And he uh, saw what he thought was probably about a four or five pounder, took a cast at it, and that fish went nose down on his bait. But, but then all of a sudden, this giant just emerges and ate it first. So mm -hmm. that's the one he ended up catching. Yeah. And he was fishing 14-pound mono. Mono. And he said that when he set the hook on that fish, it shook one time, and then it just <laughs> right back out into the deep. So that's my guess is that a lot of those bigger fish are holding up or mm -hmm. suspended in that deeper water. And yeah. it's, you know, when you got a suspended fish, it's damn near impossible to yeah. catch. Right. And I don't know much, how much habitat, you know, from seeing the lake, it doesn't look like there's a ton of physical structure in the lake. So it, that makes it even tougher to mm -hmm. find a lot of those fish. Well, suspended fish are tough. Yeah. yeah, they are. What we're talking about doing is, because I mean, I honestly think the window's probably almost over. Yeah. Yeah. We watched... Uh, and I'm not trying to kill this lake either. So. But we watched the fish actively spawning. We watched them, you know, rubbing up against each other. And we actually saw a female depositing the eggs. And once those females deposit the eggs, they're gone. Mm -hmm. And the males guard the nest. So your that's your chance that a big fish is a big pregnant female. And if that's already happened, there's a good chance that they've already retreated mm -hmm. back into deeper water. So, But next year for the show, we're thinking about taking a kayak down there. And Chad has those big trout imitating lures, like those mm -hmm. six-inch long the ones they use on Laurel? Yeah. Going out there and trying to parallel the banks with those bad boys and seeing if we can't hook up with the big fish out of the kayak, which would be fun. If there's any left. Well, <laughs> uh, I hope. You know, I, I know that the, the lake is getting some publicity right now because uh, State Record was caught. And obviously, we're talking about it. It's going to be on the TV show. You've had a press release. So, I mean, it's a public And a lake. story in the upcoming magazine, too. Yeah, exactly. I'm 100% positive that lake is going to get more pressure. But one thing it has going for it is that it's in Harlan County. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I had to drive four hours to get to it. Right, right. <laughs> so you have to really want to go. And then, like Mark, even on the TV show, he talks about how people go up there and they don't catch anything. And they, they talk like there's no fish in this lake. So, I mean, it's not like it's the easiest thing in the world mm -hmm. to do. And like I said, the spawn, I think, is probably about over and your opportunity at a really big fish in that lake. Is Maybe probably, night fishing would be your next best bet. Yeah, for being that clear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's what I'm not necessarily sure that the lake has got uh it's not doomsday for the lake because I got a feeling a lot of those big fish are going to be retreating back right. and are going to be really hard to catch. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I have high hopes for the lake. I, I want to go back, but it was cool. <laughs> I was so bummed I didn't take a fishing pole with me when we went down there. But Jeff, you say that a combination of it being deep and it having trout and, and we've like done that. a lot of management work on there too. Some fertilization, some uh, weed eradication and stuff. Now, Jeff, is, yeah. that, is that a fins lake? No, that oh. one is not a fins lake, although it really fits the bill for one. Well, it's got blue um, but we do stock it almost, you know, we stock it with catfish and we stock it with rainbow trout, which are the two main species mm -hmm. we stock fins lakes with. So it, it it does get similar stockings. It's just not called a fins lake. Well, I mean, there's probably not a neighborhood within 100 miles of it. Right, and that's <laughs> one of the, yeah, we do have some restrictions on where we set up fins lakes, and one of those is it's near a, fairly good population center so that one probably didn't fit the bill that yeah. way so it's it's treated like a fins like but it's not a fins like right. yeah I mean, you know people 
I mean, obviously the big bass in that pond and that lake, but people catch like this, this pond right outside this window up here, the mm -hmm. game farm or the fish and wildlife is probably one of the heaviest fished oh, yeah. places. I mean, there's uh, sometimes when the weather's nice, there's 40, 50 people around the banks yeah. all day long. People still catch six pound bass out of there. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. It's rare, but I mean, it yeah, happens. you see them every once in a while. Yep. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'm, sometimes I'll go for a run at lunch or something like that, and I'll run around, and there'll be a four pound bass right there. Right. Mm -hmm. I can lay my eyes on it. So it's not. Yeah, like there was one spawning here a couple weeks ago. We saw it on our walks. The, I mean, Finn's Lakes can hold big fish. Mm -hmm. I think somebody caught a 40 pound catfish out of this lake recently, too. This lake has some blue cats in it. Some big blue catfish. It was probably that. Um, they just, but yeah, we we do stocks. The hatchery once in a while stocks um, brood stock fish, so mm -hmm. they're bigger. But the blue cats that we have put in some of these lakes, they can get to pretty good size. Well, they just get down there and they don't get caught yep. and they grow. And mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of catch and release fishing goes on, too. So, mm -hmm. right. All right. Well, you got anything else you want to add on state record fish? Otherwise, I want to get to some of these questions. Well, I'm, I'm happy for him. He seems like a really good uh, good person, and oh, yeah. I'm happy for him more than oh, anything. He, he's definitely... <clears throat> and I'm glad to see Easter Kentucky get something to hang their hat on. You know, that's nice. I'm telling you, Harlan County, I mean, I'm not trying to talk about things I don't know anything about here, but it doesn't necessarily have the infrastructure that it needs to be like a really booming mm -hmm. place. I mean, like the money isn't exactly in Harlan County like it is some of the places in the Bluegrass region just because of interstate systems and other factors like that. But as far as the natural resources go, mm -hmm. you got musky fishing, you got these great little rivers, mm -hmm. you have elk, deer, turkey. I mean, some of the natural resources there are pretty awesome. Yeah, they are. All right, let's jump into some of these questions. And I have not really looked at these questions. Okay. Uh, as you know, I had the wrong stack well, <laughs> in my hand a minute ago. And that's one of the things with our call-in show that we always feel bad about is we get so many questions mm -hmm. come in and we can only answer so many. So this is great to be able to address yeah. a few more of them. Yeah, and uh, we are obviously still aren't going to be able to get to all of them. Anyway. Right. Some of the questions, we don't have anybody who's specifically with law enforcement on the show today. So some of the law enforcement questions we probably won't be able to answer or we pulled aside. But... 1-800-858. What's the number, Lee? 1549. 1-800-858-1549. And then just uh, there's an option there for the Info Center. Mm -hmm. And if you you can ask pretty much anything you want of the people at the Info Center, and they'll transfer you or they'll get your Or they'll answer answered. themselves a lot yeah. of times. Or go to the website, fw.ky.gov, and pretty much everything is on the website. There's a lot of stuff on the website, so you might have to kind of like click a tab or two before you get the right one. And but. I also use the search function at the top right-hand corner yes. if you don't know what to do, and then that, that'll usually lead you to where you need to be. Yep. Yeah, I find a lot of stuff on there by searching that Fair. little box there. Yeah. So if you have a question that we obviously don't have or something doesn't get answered, do you have any kind of question at all, just go to the website or call the Info Center, and they can hopefully help you out. All right, first question here. John from Kenton County. Can someone explain what a quarter bug jig is? I heard it's good for panfish. I believe what he's talking about is a is a um, <clears throat> lure that's available in the Lake Barkley, Kentucky Lake region, mainly for red ear sunfish, but they're also deadly for bluegill. Um, out there, there's some people that they're called uh, Phyllis's bluegill bugs. or several varieties, and it's a little cigar shaped. Uh, most of them are thirty second ounce weight. Um, very maybe one inch cigar shaped uh, soft plastic body with uh, rubber legs threaded through it on each side and you tip them with a wax worm or some of those like Berkeley gulp crickets or whatever and fish them near the bottom for, for uh, red ear sunfish but they also catch big big bluegill too. Alright Brian from Oldham County are fish safe for consumption out of Floyd's Fort Creek? I really hope they are because I eat them and I'm fine. I mean, I'm still here. Yeah, right? um, they are. And I think we mentioned on our show, there is a statewide mercury advisory, um, which is really critical for women of childbearing age and kids under six years old. Mm -hmm. But that's a natural mercury. You know, don't panic that, like, there's something going on. That's just a, a statewide advisory. But the fish there are fine. Just in our guide, we have a fish consumption section, yeah. advisory section, and the best thing is just go and look in that those couple pages and and see if where your fishing is in there. Um, if at worst it's going to limit you to, you know, a meal per month or a meal per week, that would be rough. But you know, most people can get and that's, a that's, good number of meals per year. That's an advisory, right? So I mean, I it's just limiting your health issues. You know, knowing that there's a little bit of mercury in the water naturally. Yeah. I. I yeah, pretty much the fish that I eat out of Floyd's Fork or the the trout when it's catch and keep season, I mm. keep the trout because they're gonna 
die anyway. Right. They're only in there so long. They're not going to build up yeah, much exactly. of anything. That's what I've heard is because that person might have been asking about trout. I don't know, but they come from our hatcheries mm-hmm. and then they go in. And I've heard that they don't have really time to to get contaminated in anyway. So right, yeah. it's the high predator fish that are you know. The smaller fish accumulate a little bit, and then the next level eats that fish. Now they've accumulated more, and the high predators, they're the ones that get, you know, the most. And you'll see in our guide, that's the that's the greatest advisories on the predator fish. Well, so another, I'm just, this isn't a viewer question. This is just a question I have. A lot of those top predator fish have the, the red meat. I'm talking about striped bass and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, and that's where they store the impurities, right? The, well, it's stored in fat. You know, they always tell you to, like, trim the fat off and stuff like that. So I think that the red meat probably would store a little bit more, and that meat typically is not the best taste. Yeah, on, on white bass hybrids or stripers, you got to get that red meat out. Yeah. Okay. Um, when Dan- you clean them, not, don't freeze them with it in there or ruin them. Danny from Facebook, can you fish with a cast net? Uh, not for sport fish, but they are legal if you're going to go out and collect live bait. Mm-hmm. Um, under the limits that you can take, cat, the cast net is legal. Just you, if you're going for bait and you get sport fish, you got to let them go. But it's not legal for sport fishing. So here's the question: You take your cast net out, and I've, I've used cast net to get bait before. You catch bluegill, right? Most of the time, you're trying to catch a little two or three inch long bluegill to use for bait. Or I like to catch creek chubs right. and use creek chubs for bait. But say you caught a six inch bluegill in a cast net. You wanted to keep it and eat it. Is that is that a sport fish so that you could or couldn't? Or? Bluegill are not considered a sport fish. So you could. So actually. you could you could eat them that way. I don't know who would do it, but mm-hmm. I was just curious because people do catch bluegill with a cast net for bait, and that's also a fish that somebody right. eats. So. But no bass, no catfish, nothing right. like that. Right. John. Well, for, actually, catfish is a rough fish. So you if you caught a catfish in a cast net, you could keep it. Technically, you're supposed to be fishing for live bait. And I don't know how law enforcement would handle that. That would yeah. be, you know, something that they, you might want to call in on. But catfish are considered rough fish, so actually you can get them in a cast net. They still got it, all the size limits and things yes. like that. So. Yep. John from Meade County, drawdown hurt or help? Uh, typically, if if we're doing a drawdown, um, and he may be talking about the core drawing down for flood control, mm-hmm. we do flood uh, drawdowns on some of our lakes during the winter time, and it that hard freeze can kill some of the vegetation if we got excessive vegetation growing. The core draws down for flood control purposes. They have a you know certain way they have to manage each of the lakes. If it's being drawn down uh, during the spawn, then yeah, that can cause a problem. Mm-hmm. If it stays up and stable, we've had questions um, before on some of the core lakes where they've been high this year. Is that hurting the fish? Mm-hmm. It doesn't hurt the fish if the water is stable and stays high. We've had really good spawns when the water's that way. But if they were to pull down 10 feet over a two-week period right in the middle of spawn, then the, that type of drawdown is not good. Yeah, I think we talked about that before on the show. We talked about what if, because well, we were talking about all the rain we were getting and how they were pulling the lakes really hard mm-hmm. if they pulled it off the beds. I don't think that happened. No, they 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 try to work with us, okay. the core does, to try to keep things as stable as they can, knowing that, you know, the main function of most of those reservoirs is flood control and other yeah. things. So they have to follow certain thing yeah. you know guidelines i'm sure there's a, a bend don't break right type of now they all draw <laughs> down a fairly good amount for the winter time a lot of them do and the pop- fish populations do fine next weekend on the show we have a piece of cumberland lake lake cumberland and we were fishing with bill day <laughs> and they were catching bass up in cover and bill on the show says that the drawdown, which is the long drawdown, I think they pulled 30 feet off of Lake Cumberland for like yeah, eight that years. was a that's mm-hmm. a whole different ballgame. Yeah, it's there. a different kind of drawdown. Yep. But this this question right here wasn't specific, so right that drawdown I know hurt the lake in the short term because I think it pulled a lot of that striper habitat out. It did. Yeah, that's <clears throat> Cumberland is very sensitive about having cool water in the fall, oxygenated. That's a hard word to say. It is. <laughs> um, and if they're with less water in there, there's less of that water to hold, yeah. and they have to release to generate power at Cumberland, so they kind of battling back and forth on that. And during that drawdown time, we lost some of that cool water right at the last second, and we had a striped bass kill, walleye yeah. kill. Um, they both recovered very well since it came back up. The one good thing about that long drawdown was there was all kinds of woody 
habitat, trees growing, bushes growing that flooded. The crop are on fire down yeah. there. That's what. That's the point of what he said was because they were pitching, you know, trees and stuff. Mm -hmm. He said, if it wasn't for that drawdown, none of this would be here. Right. So it let all that stuff grow. Right. Which is only going to happen during a long drawdown. Right. Obviously, that's that's not typical. But I th I, what I was getting at is it's kind of a give and take. Like a drawdown could hurt. It could help. Right, and we do it on some of our smaller lakes, but just over the winter to try usually try to kill out some of the nuisance vegetation. It also pulls a lot of the stunted bluegill out of that vegetation. The bass feed on them, thins out the bluegill a little bit. The bass get fatter. The bluegill grow better because there's less of them. So there's a couple of advantages of doing it even on our small lakes. Stuff I don't understand. That's why you're here. Hmm. All right, Jared from Facebook. Will we ever see a rise in minimum size limits for muskie? That's a highly debated topic. You know, the lakes up north have some very high limits, 50 inches, 40 inches. Um, we did raise the limit at Buckhorn this year to 40. At Green, Dewey, and Cave Run, it's still 36. And then our streams, it's 30. Um, we haven't really gone down the path of doing that, you know, why, across why the board. We? Why would we? Yeah, so that's uh, the reason for this. Well, muskie, you know, muskie are expensive to raise, really considered a trophy fish. And so to really produce the best fish you can, you could put a higher limit in and get a bigger fish. Yeah. Um, a lot, you know, a lot of people don't keep them anyhow. Yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking is it seems like most of your muskie fishermen aren't people right. that are keeping fish. The, mm -hmm. the ones that get caught are probably the are the ones that get kept typically are probably the ones that get caught on accident. Right, and, and we stock them every year, so keeping a few fish, you know, that's fine. It's not going to hurt anything. But as of now, we haven't gone down the path of, you know, putting those real high size limits in. That's one of the fish that people probably, like your muskie guys that go out and fish for them, they hate it when people keep them. But, I mean, right, it's, it's a right. put-and-take resource. I mean, every muskie in the state, the way I understand it, is a muskie that we put in, right? Right. Yes. Yeah, we have very limited spawning. There may be a little bit of spawning going up in, like, the upper, the north fork of the Kentucky River way up in the streams, but we don't see anything in the reservoirs. Yeah. So, I mean, if somebody wants to keep one, I have absolutely no problem yeah, with it. But... Yeah, we put a lot in there. All right, let's see. Gary from Facebook, why was the size limit on Sauger changed to such a large requirement? That's a easily answered question. Yeah. That was directed by, so all, there's an Ohio River fish management team, and it's the different states, so Indiana, Ohio, Illinois, we, they, they all got together and talked about the Ohio River, and we weren't seeing any big sauger, uh, they weren't seeing very many sauger over age three, so the impetus for the sauger change was to help mainly the Ohio River, but we felt, you know, if we're going to change sauger, and they look so close to walleye and sawgai, the hybrid between the mm -hmm. two, we decided let's just make it all the same, 14-inch size limit with six fish huh. and cross statewide. Yeah. So it actually brought the walleye size limit down an inch. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know that I didn't know that about the different states. I strictly thought it was because it's so hard to tell a sauger from a sawgai right. and from a walleye that it was just to save people a little bit of confusion. That was kind of a secondary part because we could have just done a sauger um, limit just on itself, but then you know you got people looking at it going, is this a sauger which is 14 inches, or is this a walleye which is 15 inches, and start getting in trouble. So mm -hmm. we just lumped them together, and the different states are also working on doing the same thing all along the Ohio River. Yeah. But uh, it's statewide. We don't have a lot of sauger inland. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the tributary streams to the Ohio have them, but. Caught, uh, it's mainly for the Ohio River. I've caught them, Sauger, that is. I've caught them in uh, Drennan Creek in Henry yep. County. Mm -hmm. I've caught them in Elkhorn. I've caught them in Elkhorn. The Kentucky River, obviously. You get them in Salt. Yeah, I've, I've caught them in Brashears Creek, which yep. is, flows into the Salt River. Yep. So I know that down there in the Salt River below the lake in the tailwaters, right. I mean, obviously. And so, I mean, they're, they're, that, I consider that inland, but I guess it's not. Yeah, any of the tributaries of the Ohio, you know, Kentucky River, all that, you know, they'll have them. Um, we don't have a whole lot of them in reservoirs. I'll tell you what, they're the tastiest fish. Mm -hmm. now, I've, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I like, well, I'm going to name more fish than I should here. <laughs> My favorite fish to eat, I like the walleye, sawgai, sauger species. Give me the striped bass, give me the trout, and give me the crappie. Yellow perch. Yellow but perch. you get uh, at Kentucky Lake. They're, God, they're delicious. Yeah, I, 
Yeah, but they're, they're hard to target. You just catch them every once in a while, yeah. crappie fish. We caught a bunch up in Minnesota, and I never had them before, and they can't stand them up there for some reason. They call them trash fish. Yeah. That was the best thing in the world, mm-hmm. eating those things. Oh, they're delicious. You know, everybody has their own opinion on You know, walleye's in the perch family, too, and so they're all... Right. I think they were more trash because they're trying to catch walleye, and these dang yellow perch keep taking their, <laughs> you know, taking the bait. Yeah. You they know fry what? up good. We call carp trash fish here in the States, and... And in the rest of the world, that's the most popular sport fish there is. Well, they have tournaments for them mm-hmm. in Europe. Carp yeah, fishing's huge. We, we consider them trash fish up north. The people consider perch trash fish, and we've gone with the show to try to target them on Linville. Right. So, you know, it's all about where you're at and what you want to do. Let's see. Greg from Nelson County. What is the status of sturgeon projects in Kentucky? Our main sturgeon project is in the upper Cumberland, above Lake Cumberland, mm-hmm. and some of the fish are in Cumberland and probably have gone, well, they have gone through uh, for lake sturgeon. It was a fish that we used to have. They disappeared, and so we have a restoration project. It's a 20-year project. I think we're in year 11 or somewhere around there, stocking them every year, but uh, we're starting to, sampling-wise, we're starting to see a lot of them. A friend of mine and, caught one in a cast net on getting bait for stripers on really? Lake Cumberland. Yeah, that's and a we've picture had several of Matt Thomas. nice, you know, 40-inch 40, 40 fish. Yeah, this one was in, like so. 37 inches, I think. I it was huge. people catching them up at the falls, too, of the Ohio. Yeah. But those are, might be, those aren't necessarily our project fish in the Ohio, are they? Uh, no. Yeah, those are actually naturally occurring or something. Right, and those are probably shovel-nosed sturgeon, probably shovel-nosed sturgeon, um, maybe what they're seeing. Uh, these are lake sturgeon. They... They don't spawn. You know, take some. They got to be pretty old before they spawn. That's why it's a long project because we need to let them get old, see if they're going to reproduce and start producing young on their own, so we don't have to stock. So we still got a ways to go to know whether it's going to take or not. But that's one of those fish that's on my bucket list. Yeah. In the state of Kentucky, I don't necessarily think I'm going to catch a sturgeon, but I've got my list. I've got my Rick Hill posters, right? Mm-hmm. And I've got all my list of my fish species, and I'm like, got to catch them all. And right now, sturgeon, bowfin, chain pickerel. And the pike and laurel, right? Mm-hmm. And now I guess I got to add cutthroat trout to that list also since yeah. we started stocking those. But I, those are some of the fish that I just don't even know how to go about targeting or trying to catch. Right. Now some of them I, I still don't know the northern pike story for laurel. I know. think it was Johnny Appleseed, don't yeah. you think? It, it'd have to be, but just it, it's interesting. Yeah. So, we so, had a new state record from there several years ago. Yeah. So from the, laurel. Since we since we talked about it, and we didn't really give any background. Just touch on that real quick. I mean that there are northern pike in Laurel Lake for some reason. Yeah, so, the same reason there's yellow perch in some of our lakes. Those like, aren't like Lake Lindell. Yeah. Yeah. And people and ask, Lake. you know, why we don't spread them around? Well, they're not native, so we tend to not want to. You know, you start spreading non-native fish around, they may take over a lake that had a good bass fishery or something else, mm-hmm. and we just don't want to do that. That's still cool. I mean, as long as the northern pike aren't going crazy, I mean, obviously it's not a fish we want there, but right. as an angler, I'm not talking about from a conservation standpoint, it's right. kind of cool. Yeah. You well, it's hard to catch fish out of anywhere on the category. It looks tough. But when it's good, it's really good. But man. Yeah, Laurel is supposedly one of the, this is just what people tell me because I'm no pro on any lake, much less Laurel. But Laurel is one of the toughest. It's like it's like a risk reward. I mean, it's mm-hmm. one of the toughest lakes to go fish. But when you catch fish out there, it's probably going to be a good one. Yeah, it's it's that's the truth. I used to camp there a lot in college. And Mark Ward, the guy, that 24 year old from Harlan, that caught the new state record. Chad was asking him where all he fished, and Chad asked him if he ever went to Laurel. And this is how I another reason I kind of think that guy's a legit good fisherman. He said, Yeah, I went to Laurel. We, me and my dad, we we struggled for the first day, but you know after that we got it, and you know, we we did pretty well. <laughs> Like, well, if this guy says he did pretty well on the world, then mm-hmm. he must have figured something out. Because well, I know people that go down there 10 times and say they'd never come If it's sunny, you might as well just go go to another lake. Laurel's yeah. good on a day like today where it's spitting rain, overcast. Yeah. That's when it's good. Well, if, it's, you, if it's bluebird, go somewhere else. I say when those clouds go away and the sun comes out, you might as well put your boat back on the trailer and leave. Well, I was there one time with John Williams, who just retired, mm-hmm. who's our fisheries biologist down there, and your, your boy John, yes. um, John Southern. And uh, I never, it, actually never met John Southern. Oh, really? He's been everybody else has filmed the shoots with him, but he apparently is a very good fisherman. Well, we uh, he took us to a spot, and it was early, and it was like today, overcast, kind of spitting rain. Um, John Williams, we had we put three over twenty inches in the boat in like forty five minutes. Then the sun came out, <laughs> the rain went away, and we didn't get another bite. And we fished till like mid afternoon. Well, this uh, <laughs> they quit at ten o'clock. No more bites. Last time the show went down there with John Southern, Chad asked him, "All right, what are we going to be throwing?" And John told him what presentation that they were going to throw, and they went down there. And Chad took his rod, his swim bait rod, I think it was, 
and they fished for 20 minutes and John said, all right, this isn't working. I'm switching it up. John pulls out this huge trout imitating bay that weighed like, you know, I don't know how many ounces. Chad didn't have a rod to throw it on, so and then he started slamming six-pounder, five-pounder, seven-pounder, just slamming fish. And I guess Chad's job that day was to net the fish for John. <laughs> because, But, I mean, it's just – But certain. Chad caught – he caught a big largemouth that day, didn't he? That was a different day. Oh, okay. that, that was fun fishing. I'm talking about for the actual show. Well, yeah. yeah. That day, Chad caught a um, – eight pound large mouth and a five pound small mouth mm. within an hour of each other i was like that would be most people's pb for both species yeah and uh, to go down there and that's what laurel can do for you you can catch those giants but mm-hmm. all right let's see keep moving with questions christopher from jessamine county is there a limit on hybrid bass yeah hybrids uh hybrid striped bass is what i'm guessing he's talking about and it's 15 fish and you can only have five over 15 inches mm-hmm. is that right some reason I'm yeah, it's part here. of the white bass hybrid striped bass uh, it, combined rig. That's, what it, is. that's yeah. it. Um, and the reason we do the five over is when they're smaller, it's hard to tell the difference between a hybrid and a white bass. And so that's another one where anglers get in trouble because mm-hmm. they wouldn't know the difference and be over the limit. So I mean, it's hard to tell sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, Jimmy from Henry County. What is crappie possession limit on a farm pond? It would be the statewide, statewide limit. Yeah. Statewide. So um, possession limit would be twice the daily limit. Mm-hmm. And of unpro- a lot of people think, well, I go to Kentucky Lake and I can only bring home 60 fish, or well, now 40 fish. I was like, well, like you can only fish two days and you have to go home. It's unprocessed fish. You just have to clean your fish. So right. you can have two limits of unprocessed fish that you're, say, you're renting a cabin down there or a house or whatever. You just got to clean your fish. Yeah. You know. There was a good question to ask, and this isn't one I have in front of me. Um, somebody was asking when the limit reset. And I think I asked law enforcement, and they were like, well, that kind of comes down to discretion. It, it seems like a touchy issue, but I don't think we'll answer. It might be a question for the info center, unless you know the yeah, answer. Yeah, well, I think it's, you know, any, it's the calendar day, so I would assume <clears throat> that it would reset at, mid, you know, yeah, 12.01. Well, a lot of people night fishing, say you're night fishing for striper, you yeah, catch your a, two at 10 o'clock, and then, you know, can you go back out after midnight and get two more? I mean, that's the question that comes down. Yeah, and I'd hate to, I have my opinion well, on that, that's but a, that's I, a, I don't want to send somebody out. I would think you could, but you need to check. Yeah. Check with law enforcement. That's where mm-hmm. I think discretion comes down. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a touchy one. That's what that's what the info center's for. Give them yeah. a call, and they'll transfer you to law enforcement. And they'll get an answer. But yeah, doing that topwater striper fishing yeah. on Cumberland, you go out at ten o'clock in the evening and fish to two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you could be catching them across there. I know. All right, Danny from Davis County. Are they still stocking hybrids in Rough River, and are there plans to stock stripers there? Um, we're definitely stocking hybrids in Rough River. Um, they're getting a, this is a really good, they always have a good population there. We're doing a, it's kind of interesting, we're doing a tracking study on the fish because we've had during the summers. They disappear. Everybody calls in and says, there's no fish in the lake, you need to stock them. And then in the fall when we sample, we get tons of them, big fat fish. So we're doing a tracking study to see where they're at and maybe be able to put the anglers on the fish. But um, we stock them every year. It's got a really good population. I don't, we won't put stripers in there. Yeah, it's too, too small of a reservoir. Right? right, and we're already putting the hybrids in there. So it's it's got a really strong hybrid population. I remember when we started doing that stocking last year, and, or the the tagging. Mm-hmm. So basically some of the hybrids in that lake have actual tags on yep. them, right? Yep. And when somebody catches one, they're supposed to call it in? Yeah, if they get a if they clean a fish and get a tag, it's got information to call in because we can potentially reuse those tags. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just like a radio signal that um, that we our guys can go around and you know locate where the fish are. We have our creel clerk out there and they do it, and then also do our biologists. Okay, let's see, Brian from Fayette County. Why aren't yellow perch found in more lakes in Kentucky? We touched on that. Yeah, they're, it's just a non-native species. You know, they've kind of spread probably through people moving them around. Um, they found their niche in a couple lakes, but mm-hmm. that just that's not a native habitat for them. And so they found a few spots. That's like uh, Linville we talked about earlier. Um, that's a city-owned lake because it's a city reservoir. Right. And the city chooses what to do with it, and that's why you have yellow perch and you have mean mouth and you have all these weird species <laughs> it's it's not our daring <laughs> somebody else is doing all that right let's see tyler from facebook have there been any considerations for restrictions during the spawn for bass that's uh, another highly debated topic you know 
our opinion on it is it doesn't take a whole lake of you know any bass species to reproduce to you know recruit a successful year class so you can fish some of the fish off the beds and still do really well mm -hmm. so right now we've kind of held to we don't think we haven't seen the bass populations take a big hit from you know people saying they're people fishing them off the beds and they look strong so we're kind of holding to not restricting that you know we try not to restrict fishing the best we can in most situations yeah. but up north you know that seems to be more of a problem they have a very tight spawning period um, down here it's a little bit more stretched out and you don't need 100% of the fish to spawn to have a good year class you know if probably 50% would easily mm -hmm. cover any lake yeah let's see Brian from Morgan County how are the hybrid bass doing in Paintsville Lake we stocked them for one year kind of as a test thing and they're growing well and people are catching them I don't know if we're gonna continue or not it was kind of a just let's see you know, Paintsville was struggling with walleye just weren't doing well and the smallmouth didn't seem to be doing too well, so we tried some hybrid stocking. We may look into it again, we'll see. But um, the fish we did stock, people are catching them and they're growing pretty good. Good, good. That's something I never really target, but I should. This next question does have something to do with something I've targeted. Um, I guess that's Mariana from Facebook. What color lights do you need to have on a kayak while night fishing? Well, your typical, don't you have to have a 360 degree white light visible in all directions and don't you have to have a, your red and green yes no that's yes. that's the way directional lights in the front i bought those lights before at a walmart i mean mm -hmm. they sell the kits for like 30 bucks and they're they they're powered by double a's mm -hmm. and it's literally the 360 white light and then your red and green up front and when i've gone out on cumberland before night fishing trying to catch those stripers out of a kayak me and my buddy bobby we put those on our canoe and kayak mm -hmm. and i mean it trust me i would not go out unless I was on a farm pond at night without those lights. Because when you're out there at night, I've been out on Del Hollow before at night, when you're out there at night on a kayak and there's a bass boat coming towards you at 50 miles an hour, it's like, okay, I gotta, I, I turn my headlamp on, mm -hmm. and if I got a handheld flashlight, I shine them with it because you want to be seen. It's just not safe not to. Yes. I've, I've night fished in a flow tube, which is dumb. So <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> Actually, I had a bass wrap around my leg a little bit, dove underneath me in Harrington Lake at night. It was a huge one. You must not have watched uh, Jaws the day before. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> that's one of those things. When bluegill like bite on your hairs on your leg at <laughs> night, it freaks you out. So that's one of those things, man. When Avoid float tubes at night. When I was a kid and I watched Jaws for the first time, I was like, you know, you couldn't get in the water without thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And I just imagine if I was floating in a float tube in the dark, that that's all I'd think about if I'd just watched a movie like that. That was a great movie, the first one. <laughs> it was great. Let's see, Wally from Taylor County. What species of fish are stocked in the Finns Lake in Frankfurt? The one near Salado. So that's the one right out of the window here. We Never throw a rock in it almost. Right. <clears throat> and actually, we stock the same species in all the Finns Lake. So early or late in the fall, early spring, we stock rainbow trout. And then right after that, starting in March, I think, we start channel catfish stockings. Um, a few of the Fins Lakes will get some hybrid sunfish, but uh, we may be, I can't remember if we're phasing those out or not. Rainbow trout and channel cats are the, the two main stockings. You, you can pretty much count on them, in my experience, just fishing Fins Lakes. You can pretty much count on them to have largemouth bass, mm -hmm. bluegill, bluegill. Right. Catfish, catfish, and trout. Yeah, and the largemouth and bluegill are primarily, they were, you know, they're doing their own thing naturally, and then we're putting the rainbows yeah. and the channels in. Channels typically don't spawn very well in uh, these small lakes. Let's see, Andy from Facebook. A lot of these are Facebook questions just because I, you know, it's the order we get them in, and we had a lot of them. Um, Andy from Facebook, with permission from the landowner, do I need a license on a private pond? Yes. Unless yeah. that landowner Unless is, you're a tenant or you are a dependent or you own it. And you live there. Yes, right. yeah. You have to live on the land. So if you're the landowner who lives on the land, you're a tenant who lives lives on the land or you're the direct dependent child so if you're the son or daughter of the landowner and you live on the live land, on the land yeah. those are the only times you do we it. get a lot of calls about hey my son went off to college he's coming home does he need a license well he doesn't live there anymore yes he does yeah uh this question leroy from facebook can you share a stringer or basket and that's boy that's one that i can give an answer to 
law enforcement really is the one to talk to on that. But I, I would think you can, as long as you can separate them at the end of the day and you each have your limit, mm-hmm. you'd be fine. But I, I just don't recommend it, though. Do you? Yeah. No, I mean, it'd be best to keep them, you know, each have your own stringer. Stringers yeah. aren't very expensive. Part of that comes down to discretion also. I get, I'm not an expert. I'm just speaking. When I was down at the Salt River during the White Bass Run. Um, I was planning on it because I didn't know this. I had no idea. I was planning on sharing a stringer with somebody, and Joe McDermott was down there. And he said, he told me that's called party fishing. Okay. And he said that you can't do that. And he was just kind of giving me a heads up. I don't think he was like... And um, so luckily I walked down the bank about 30 feet and I found a stringer on the ground and yeah. <laughs> picked it up. But I mean, so here's where it comes down. You can down use here. a stick too. If you're, With if you're, notch. if you wanted to share a stringer or a basket, I would say as long as you could, like, obviously this is tougher than just getting your own stringer, but say you could put a marker, you know how people have like mm-hmm. floats that they put on certain yeah. fish. And if you can mark your fish somehow, or you could tell the law enforcement, that comes down to discretion. I mean, that's why officers have discretion is because they can. You know, kind of let some stuff. Right, like this. you really you're supposed to only catch your daily limit, mm-hmm. so they don't want you catching, you know, two the limits and six, saying that's my buddy's fish. Eight and then giving two to the other guy because mm-hmm. you've yeah. caught over your limit, so yeah. you're illegal. Yeah. So, but the answer the answer would just be basically to get your own stringer. Yeah. They're ninety nine cents at Walmart, mm-hmm. or you know what? I've, get, I've, I used to get a stick and and that had a branch on it. You know, maybe three or four feet long, and that branch it was sticking out. You put the first fish through the gill plate, and then you just put them all the gill plate through the mouth and line them up i've carried bluegill home like that left and right i've used paracord before i've yeah. even used my dog leash before yeah which was so. made of paracord because i'm cheap like that mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean <laughs> so you don't you don't even have to spend anything if you don't want to yeah uh rick from oldham county where can i catch walleye in the state and if i had and if i take grandkids to the fins lakes at the game farm can my son-in-law help them fish without a license so there's two questions kind of two questions yeah so where can we I got walleye? um reservoir wise we got some really you know laurel Cumberland, Dale Hollow, Paintsville. No, Green? Yeah, Paintsville's got some. Car Creek's got them. Mm-hmm. Green. Uh, what else? All the rivers. Yeah, mm-hmm. most of the river systems have them in them. Um, the big one, Laurel's a really good one. Car Creek's got good wall. Cumberland has a really good population. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, quite a few places. Right. I know Nolan River's popular. People mm-hmm. catch them in the Ohio right. and on the Kentucky River. So, I mean, there's a good chance they're somewhere with walleye close to you. Right. The second part was, if I take my grandkids to the Finns Lakes, the game farm, can my son-in-law help them fish without a license? I would say as long as you're assisting your son and you're not the one bringing the fish in. I think as soon as you bring the fish in, that's yeah. in your possession. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, if the officer is watching, they're going to be able to see if you're fishing or not. You know, we've had some kids fishing events where it's like, uh, that kid's not fishing. You know? His dad is officially fishing. <laughs> the kid is over there throwing, throwing rocks, rocks in the water by the other guy. <laughs> Gary, Gary from Hardin County. How many fishing poles at one time in Kentucky? I'm guessing that means how many that, can they have? That's unlimited. Yeah. Mm. I mean, you think about spider rigging for crappie. I mean. right. Oh my God, yeah. That or catfishing? A lot of people throw multiple lines out. Yep. I need to buy my buddy to cane poles i broke two of them <laughs> fishing for crappie green river <laughs> shelton from muhlenberg when are the spring catfish stockings um well most of the spring catfish stockings i think they start in march and then we've stocked in april and then i think june is probably the next one i don't know we may do a few but those are fin stockings we do a lot of our reservoirs we stock as well those are tend to be a little bit later in the summer um so when he's talking about spring catfish stockings it would be for fins lakes and they're going on right now the best thing to do is go to our website and go to fishing and then fishing in the neighborhoods is the fins program and there's actually a link on there that'll tell you exactly when mm-hmm. the catfish and the rainbow trout are going to be stocked yep the best bet is to get online yep. look at fins lakes and there's a stocking schedule and tell you all of that so mm-hmm. Let's see. I think this name is Karsten from Laurel County. What's the best approach to catching fish moving onto beds? Bait lure suggestion. I say we talk about largemouth bass or smallmouth and then also bluegill and red deer because those are what most people try to fish off the beds as far as I know. Yeah. All right. So I think, you know, plastics are always a good bet. Well, I mean, the state record just fell to a six-inch soft plastic June bug colored lizard. Lizards, for some reason, people love for bed fishing. I love lizards for bed fishing. Yeah. It's hard to beat a lizard. I mean, you can also use a a crawfish imitator like a a jig mm-hmm. or i mean just an artificial worm something texas rigged or mm-hmm. carolina rigged or throw something 
in that bed and they're probably going to try to yeah something that aggravates them and they, sometimes you know, they'll just pick to, it up and move it off yeah, the bed I and drop say it. they tend to just grab they're it and do that and beaver like a bunch try to spit it out get it off there or a bluegill imitating bait i think works sometimes as well if you can run that in but there. uh for bluegill and red ear if you throw uh um, some red worms on a you know number eight or six aberdeen hook on a couple of split shots no bobber and just throw it in there you're gonna get backed so yeah. we uh we went down and sight fish bluegill on the beds on kentucky lake and lake barkley with jim doom two years ago and he was using like this little spider it's like a bug looking jig <laughs> that's what that's the earlier question right. it has the rubbers yeah yeah, the, that, yeah that's what the, i think the earlier question was talking about he was he makes his own i think he was tipping them with a millworm mm -hmm. some people use wax worms we caught 185 fish in like three hours doing that down there. We probably kept 30 of them. Yeah. We catching. We were catching red ear and bluegill. I mean, we were trying to target red ear, but you couldn't hardly catch one because every time you threw your line in the water, bluegill. Blue, had it oh, we did that. We went in the back of a cove uh, near Moore's Marina, and we found an area we could see the beds, and we were throwing Popeye jigs tipped with. I love those little Berkeley fake crickets. Mm -hmm. uh, gulp. I was tipping it with that man. As soon as the bobber would straighten up, down it would go. We, I mean, we could have caught as many as we wanted. Yeah, we hammered fun. them, and they were all beautiful. It's fun. Picked up a couple of red ear, but you're right. The bluegill get it for the red ear cut. It's fun doing it. Once you find some red ear, it seems like they're grouped up. Yeah, they are. If you, usually, if you catch one, stay hammer it. You know, Adam was just telling me that Adam Martin that you usually catch several in the same spot. Terry from Rockcastle County. <clears throat> how, we've so this question is one we already touched on. How long have y'all perch been in Lake Linville? Where do they come from? I think we said a minute ago that that's the city. I think yeah, the city well, actually. yeah, I don't know it. You know, the city may not have put them in, but somebody put Johnny Appleseed put them in, right? There. I don't know how long they've been in there, but actually their population is expanding, and they got a good numbers of ten to twelve inch fish in there right now. Yeah, I, 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 I named off those species earlier. I said bowfin, chain pickerel, mm -hmm. um, cutthroat trout, and uh, northern pike. Well, I guess we can add yellow perch to that too, because <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about it. But there's another one. Oh, let's see. This one's about walleye population. Um, stock red ear. Will there be a stock of red ear in Taylorsville Lake? That's Kent from Shelby County. Uh, we haven't talked about that. You know, a lot of the lakes that we put red ear in, they do really well around vegetation. And Taylorsville, for the most part, I don't think has the amount of vegetation that we'd like to, you know, for red ear stocking. Mm -hmm. So probably not as of now. And some people don't know what red ear are. I mean, they're basically a bluegill on steroids, in mm -hmm. my opinion. Right. And they get that kind of orangish-red ear patch on Red ear sunfish. A lot of people call them shellcrackers, shell crackers, too. Because yeah. I, I never, everybody back home in Shelby County, because they are stocked in the, or they were, I don't know if they still are, it's been so long, the country club in Shelby County. I used to go fish there. And I remember at one point people were catching just the biggest shell crackers, mm -hmm. is what they were calling them. Oh, yeah. It's, and that's what, I mean, I had no idea back then. Oh, they pull like crazy. They're great. On yeah. ultralight equipment, they're just fun as you they can have. They feed on the bottom, and they'll yeah. feed on mussels and other things, you know. They're going to be so on the cover of the upcoming them. issue of Kentucky Field. Oh, that's, that's why they're called I just crackers. wrote a piece yep. on them. Because yep. yep. they literally crack those uh, and it's shells Get ready to eat them all. It's Rick Painted. It's yep. going to eat a little snail. To, I'm looking forward to it. When is the new magazine going to come it's, you know? um, it's, uh, We're right at deadline now, so anytime. Okay. You said you were getting it. You went to the publisher the other day to mm -hmm. proof it. Yes. So it shouldn't be long. I'm looking forward to it. I think there's going to be a little. You're using one of Kristen's pictures, um, one of my pictures of Kristen in the magazine for a little piece about stripe, stripers. Right? Well, that was uh, on the Spring Fishing Frenzy. Oh, it's okay. on their website. Okay. That, is that going to be in the magazine also? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. Dang. I told her I was going to get her. <laughs> well, well, um, but that doesn't mean she won't be in it in the future. Yeah, yeah. I've got a lot of good pictures. Yeah, just but, let me know. So I, I'm glad you saved some of those for me. They're really good. But that's right. on the. Um, I've done a series of articles this spring called Spring Fishing Frenzy. If you go to the website, it's on that rotating scroll. Click on that, and you'll see that picture of her holding a really nice striper from yeah, from uh, Cumberland. Yep, that was uh, with JB mm -hmm. Jeff Bartroff. His yeah. his God service there. Let's see. I've, I've read through the last five questions here, and it's kind of stuff we already touched on. So I don't necessarily have anything else as far as that goes that I care to throw out there. You got anything, Lee? I know you've probably got some, some stuff on your mind. We've been going for an hour now. Yes. So. Um, really? No, I just wanted to make sure we uh, we got our derby picks, and we talked about the new state record largemouth. I think the white bass runs are about over. Yes. Um, Green River, my buddy took his daughter last weekend and uh, smacked them, the crappie. So I don't think the crappie are completely over, but they're 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 on the, the downside of it for sure, don't you yeah, think? I think? I've been hearing most people catching crappie or not seeing eggs in the 
emails anymore. Yeah, so they're so probably, they're probably done. And largemouth, I think a lot of them are on the nest. Yeah. Yep. Um, so this is that transition period. Toward the end of May, though, becomes really great for string smallmouth, largemouth. It's awesome, but kind of in that transition period right now. I'll tell you, the better that the weather is, the the worse the fishing can be, and uh-huh. I'll still be because uh, you know it's like that's not necessarily how it works. But when the weather's poor, it's mm-hmm. twenty-five degrees and sleeting. I want the fish to be biting, but mm-hmm. when it's eighty degrees and sunny out, like I don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> just just get me out there. I don't. I no don't doubt. Mind. So that's kind of the stage we're moving into. There's still a lot of great fishing. Stream fishing, like you said, is mm-hmm. picking up. It's, it's, be it's been awful high again, but now we're finally starting to get some decent flow. So it should be yeah. should be about time. I'm just saying, just get out there and enjoy it because like that's basically what I was getting at. The fishing's still good. Still catch a lot of fish in the late spring, early summer, all through the year, basically. But when it's when it's nice out like it's getting ready to be it's just worth being outside anyway mm-hmm. so let's see you got anything jeff you want to no, i appreciate you guys having yeah, me sure. it fun. and hopefully this works out for us covering some more questions because i yeah. know people have asked yep. you know can you didn't get to my question yeah and so this is a great way to do it you know sometimes in the past i've I've actually done a separate podcast that is the spring fishing call-in show where i just kind of introduced it and then let them go but um, that's on YouTube if someone because I, I kind of like the answering the other questions more because right. mm-hmm. right. it gets more questions answered and those spring fishing calling shows or all the calling shows are on YouTube mm-hmm. so if somebody wants to listen to them or watch them they can, they can do it anytime they want and this allows us to hit more questions um, I guess just want to promote the show actually what was it there was one more thing I was wanting to I just did a piece on spring fish or uh, string smallmouth fishing for the spring fishing frenzy so again fw.ky.gov click on that icon you can see uh, Chase's girlfriend holding a gigantic striper. Uh, just did one. It should post any time on bluegill fishing for don't this get week. Any ideas so. though? No, don't. Let's see. So I've gotten a lot of great comments from that picture because you know you don't see. Uh, we we need more women anglers out there, and and we need to promote uh, women in fishing because I think it's a growth segment of the industry oh, right for now. Sure. I mean, it's amazing. I'm, women love it. You oh, get women on fishing, man. They love it. You know, all the things that people don't like are usually. Like, say you have, there's a woman out there that doesn't like fishing. It's probably because when she was a little kid, her mom was like, oh, no. Like, you know what I mean? Drilled. Yeah, that's like, gross. Got them going that. on that, and it's stuck in their mind. But I don't get how you could go out there and be knee-deep in Elkhorn Creek mm-hmm. or sit on the side of a bank of a lake on a really nice summer day and not being enjoying yourself. You no know? doubt. It's just, no uh, doubt. Uh, people a lot better than being it. at the mall. That's why little Max Diener needs to go out there and do it. He yeah. needs to get off his whatever and, and get out there and take max fishing no doubt yeah that'd be that's something i actually talked to brown blank yesterday and um michael gray mm-hmm. that's something i think we might try to hook up in the future but i don't know if i should really say it but i don't know well i think we might try to reach out and see if we can make that happen so anyway thanks for coming on jeff i appreciate yeah. it all right this is a good one yes sir all right and thank you all happy derby yep and uh, what was the pick one more time tacitus uh roadster code of honor and uh, give me game winner and improbable. So yeah, I mean, I'm gonna have them too. <laughs> yeah. Really, I'm telling you, it's a wide open. It should pay this year. It should pay. Yeah. Well, they, since the favorite dropped down, mm-hmm. I think they're talking wide about. open this year. So yeah. it could be a, a bomb could drop. Who knows? All right. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm. Good luck tomorrow, Lee. I right, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.